In the past few decades, it's been like watching the world shrink right in front of us. Once considered key to increasing trade, fostering peace, and raising the standard of living, globalization is now seeing a pushback. Globalization has turned our planet into this super connected place where everything's buzzing. Borders, they've become kind of blurry. Businesses, oh man, they're popping up all over the globe. And tech, well, it's like the ultimate game changer, making even the most remote spots possible market hotspots. But the winds of change are blowing once again. Now, the issue was raised at Davos with new data showing world exports and imports are now in retreat for the first time since the Second World War, partially driving this retreat, nationalistic policies and protectionism. Enter globalization. While it might sound like we're hitting the brakes, it's a bit more complicated than that. Countries are revisiting the whole global trade angle thanks to the volatile past few years we've witnessed from rising trade tensions, evolving geopolitics, and supply chain crises driven by COVID. Yeah, the the showdown with Russia, you also have uh, uh, supply chain issues post-pandemic, tensions with China. It's got everyone wondering what globalization will look like in the 21st century. We're moving from that whole worldwide party mode to a chill regional hangout scene. In this episode of Things of Change podcast, we dive into Brazil's remarkable economic transformation. Our focus will be on its impressive GDP growth and the rapidly expanding digital revolution, all while acknowledging Brazil's already established global leadership in agriculture and natural resources. So Brazil is crafting a new narrative of prosperity in a world that's undergoing significant change. Get ready for a samba of success. If you'd known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed. We're here to talk about it. Hi. I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. So growing up in India, you know, I start many podcasts like this, but in <laughs> context of okay. how different it is growing up outside of the US, where I feel the sentiment inside the U.S. has always been, we are the best, no one's better than us, you know, that kind of 100%. USA, USA kind of mentality. And outside of the U.S., growing up in India, at least, you know, 20 years back where it wasn't the India of today, it was always about, hey, we could be the next big thing. And nothing has been more like the next big thing, like the BRICS. So that is BRICS. the BRICS um, coalition, BRICS partnership, right? Which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and who else? South Africa. South Africa. Yes, yes, yes. It's really uh, the BRICSA, but anyway. The BRICSA, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, each country in this in this coalition has gone different paths right different ways china is its different beast china is basically number two in the world right 
But the other countries, you know, Russia has its own thing going. South Africa, uh, maybe we'll discuss this later. But specifically, you know, with regards to India and Brazil, there's a common theme, a country that's got a lot of people. So you have this massive population and you have these huge tailwinds of great natural resources, self-sustaining to a point, previously agricultural countries, and now embracing the digital revolution across the world. That's our focus today, Brazil, the biggest country in Latin America. And all the, the incredible things that are happening in that country, which could probably set it on course to be a top five economy in like five, 10 years. It's it's an interesting story. You mentioned BRICS and Brazil is one of those leading economies in the, this coalition, right? In terms of growth. We were taught about BRICS in college, bro. That's so crazy. Like studying economics in college and one of the, the terms that you needed to know was, was BRICS and why they were being called out as a separate coalition. You know, yeah. um, Brazil, I don't know if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, man, but the meat, <laughs> the meat, great. I just took my brother there who's from Europe and he was really impressed with, with the meat that we had at Brazilian steakhouse, but I've known it to be a place of great agriculture from an economics perspective. Sure. Uh, economics Bro. perspective, Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we know they got good meat. It came into my mind again, into my consciousness, Brazil, because quite recently, a lot of things from the import-export space um, and global trade changed with these crazy events this year, dude. Because a lot of what happened with the Russia-Ukraine war and the recent opening of China has just shed so much light on how much of a powerhouse Brazil can be in global exports of agriculture. I mean, food, right? Like we had this massive shortage all of a sudden when the um, Russia-Ukraine war started and there was this vacuum of space left for the global trade for food. And a lot of countries stepped up to try to provide to that. And Brazil was one of those countries who was vital for like exporting, I think it was soybeans and and corn, right? So it was interesting, but these events, I mean, these events honestly had pushed Brazil to the top of the trade surplus line, right? Like pre-COVID, I have to mention pre-COVID. Like, uh, you know, people will be like, Okay, they're talking about Brazil. Let me go to the Brazilian stock index and see how they have performed. During COVID, it was, you know, they saw some deep pains. They were in a recession. Uh, and why is because they, were, they are so reliant on those exports. If China shuts down, China is like 20% of their exports go to China. Their biggest if, trading partner. Yeah. If China shuts yeah. down, they don't have the money coming in, rightly so, they are, the GDP estimates were so low uh, during COVID. Why we wanted to actually focus on Brazil is a stat that really hit me like a like a train was the GDP estimate for 2023 for the country of Brazil was 0.7%. So 0.7% growth for the entire year. In the first three months of 2023, their GDP growth was 4%. 
they grew 4% in the first three months, which shows how important the reopening trade was for Brazil. When the world started reopening, they started producing and exporting those soybeans and beef and all of that good stuff helps tremendously. They're also one of the largest uh, exporters of iron. So all the construction, all everything, construction and manufacturing requires iron, right? So again, huge cog in the global trade wheel. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I think putting that into perspective, it hasn't always been super rosy in Brazil. You know, things haven't been great. As if you've been listening to our show, you'd be very familiar of the trend of inflation that we've been mentioning all over the world in different types of industries. Brazil was not exempt from this. Obviously, they also had a very difficult time um, with inflation. And so, you know, central banks all over the world came into focus during this time. And what's really cool about Brazil's economy is that monetary policy, they are super strict with that shit. You can see when stuff goes wrong, when like a central bank ceases to to do its job of trying to control inflation. And we've seen that go really bad, especially on the show. But Brazil, actually, I'm pretty impressed with how they've worked with inflation and used monetary policy and very, very strict monetary very policy. Very aggressive, dude. I didn't know Super rates were 12%. Crazy. 12%. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine 12%, dude? I mean, we would probably trail that at like an 8 9% mortgage rate or something. Like, that's ridiculous, you know? Okay, so, so what are rates in the US right now? 5.5? Ab- above 5 now. Yeah, we're hitting 5.5. to Double that and add more. That's where the, <laughs> r- the cost of borrowing basically became. So as you can see, over COVID, the businesses that, you know, you need a certain amount of money flowing in the system for businesses to be able to grow and consumers to be able to spend and stuff. If inflation is hitting you like, um, again, uh, like a train, and then the rates are hitting you like, I don't know, meteor, like it has an impact on an economy and inflation has started to tick down. The reason why we are recording this right now is because, you know, at least on things have changed, we are looking forward, right? Yes, Brazil had has had a tough couple of years but looking forward it looks promising because hey uh, China's reopening so your exports are increasing you're making a bit more money as a result inflation's coming down as a result rates are coming down so now businesses potentially have a bit more like breathing room rates are now going down as you mentioned and inflation is also going down so the pressure on the businesses are, are becoming less what do you think's happening in the tech space because of this? You know, our listeners are tech enthusiasts from all around the globe, and we've actually interviewed some founders who are also from Brazil. Um, Sinai Technologies, Maria Fujihara, we had on the show, who talked a lot about the things that we didn't really notice from the tech pers- perspective of happening in Brazil. For example, like there are a lot of sustainability programs there. You know, yeah. very large presence in the sustainability world. She mentioned that a lot of her work in Brazil were being copied kind of across the globe when it comes to sustainability. You know, so it's also a leader in that space. But dude, talk about like what's happening in the tech space right now um, in Brazil. I came across this McKinsey study. The internet in developed countries, in advanced economies, the internet has accounted for 10% of the GDP growth over the last 15 years. 
10% of 23 trillion. Yeah. So if you accumulate that, that itself is tech has brought about trillions of wealth creation over the last 15 years. You realize that both of us work for trillion dollar companies. Yeah. That's yeah. Ins- insane, by the way, knowing that it's only 23 trillion, not only, but 23 trillion dollars is the US GDP. In developing countries like India and Brazil, the internet, according to this uh, study, accounted for 11% growth in the last five years. Five years. So from 2018, 11% of their GDP growth is just from the internet. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I, we have this conversation all the time and we'll, we'll do an India episode after this. I was in India two or three months back. Every time I'm in India, it feels like a different, like it's leveling up. It feels closer to like certain cities feel closer to like New York city than it does to my, my memory of that city when I lived there, you know? So it's one of those things where you're just seeing this like, Cambrian explosion of businesses and activity thanks to people coming online. Online commerce and banking is like unlocking Latin America. In 2023, 80% of Brazil's consumers access finance through their cell phones, right? And what is the cell phone? Again, it's tech, it's your broadband, it's the Wi-Fi, it's the connectivity and all of that great stuff. So you're starting to see some big moves even in the e-commerce space because you know spending through the internet is e-commerce right in 2018 e-commerce was like five percent of brazil in 2023 post-covid it is 11 percent, doubling every five years no it's big stuff dude it's big stuff and the fact is like countries typically focus on certain areas of expertise right and being dependent on that one area is very, it's kind of really risky. So I like seeing this change that they're growing in tech now and they're, they're making deals, you know, all over the place with, with certain voting blocks as well, other regions and trade is, is making a lot of this stuff better. A developing country that is starting to build its infrastructure, its institutions are getting more formalized. They're having better relationships with um, some globalized countries and they're going to have commerce coming in and seeping in. Typically, there's one industry that does really, really well. And therefore, leadership throws everything they have into building that piece of the economy. And and that's kind of what happened with Brazil in its earlier days. People started realizing that you can trust really good agriculture products from from Brazil and all over Latin America, right? And typically they focused on those. And if you imagine, what does Brazil have, bro? Crazy. They're Brazilian steak. With natural, yeah, of course. Brazilian steak as well, but they have the freaking Amazon. They have the biggest yeah. block of the Amazon, right? And that is a natural resource heaven. Although a lot of folks have looked down on the fact that, you know, deforestation has been going up in that economy for a little bit during uh, Bolsonaro's leadership and and subsequent presidents. That's why like the recent election of of Lula had kind of changed the view of a lot of folks when looking at Brazil. But as a developing economy, they were blessed with the natural resources. This trend of kind of 
you know, all over the place, people are moving more towards um, a really diverse set of industries is because of this. They're starting to realize that when trade slows down for another country, especially in the way that COVID did, imagine being the biggest trading partner is China. When China slowed down, what the heck happened? You know, when they closed yeah. ports, what will Brazil do? What would they do with their exports? You know? So I think they realized that and leadership was like, oh shit, we got to find other ways um, to grow certain industries. And tech tech is one of those that have, have been growing, dude. Like one thing I didn't look into until you did the research and, and you had mentioned it to me was Mercado Libre, huge company, dude. Like who would have, who would have thought that was, that was the alternative for Amazon in the region. And they are a payment company as well because you're doing your finance through Mercado Libre, right? And incredible numbers. Now, consumers are spending a bit more. A bit, yeah. Yeah, that is evident. The numbers are wild. Their revenue has jumped 50% year over year. Year over year, their net income has 5X'd. So you can see, okay, this this company, yes, it... it, it got hit by COVID, but they are showing that they're not only reporting these strong metrics, strong numbers, right? But it's a machine. Now they are hiring aggressively to boost its workforce. Uh, they've put like these big hiring numbers um, in in different countries, actually, in um, Latin America, because they want to be the Amazon of South America. Regionally, it's a huge advantage for them to be growing this kind of company, you know, like Amazon is a, quite a huge company and a huge presence in the US. We employ yeah. 2.3 million people in the country, you know, and that also means for a company such as uh, Mercado Libre, they could do the same for that region of, of Latin America. So very exciting to see these developments. Um, something that, that, comes to my mind when I think about, you know, these regional partnerships is when we were looking into this, we learned a little bit about Mercosur, uh, which is also itself um, a voting block of folks that are also in Latin America that have regional partnerships. I think tying into our Mexico episodes right before this, you know, a lot of manufacturing is coming to Mexico because Mexico is a regional partner of the U.S. There's easy trade going on between the two because of NAFTA. Mercosur is one of these agreements where, you know, you have trade flowing through these regions um, and it's a lot easier for them to help each other grow as a region. I think that block in itself in Mercosur, it has... Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay, and Bolivia. Quite big countries. And if you think about it, you can find a lot of raw materials in these countries that make yeah. sense to trade in between themselves, right? Like just, we talked about a lot, you know, battery production on this show. And Bolivia has one of the largest salt mines, right? Um it's very interesting to see that this regional partnership is happening and they're helping each other out to, to do trade deals, right? The biggest one I think this year that you guys will have heard of if, if you're in the EMEA region is the deal with the EU, you know, the entire EU to have one of the largest trade deals signed from the EU, right? It's a lot like we talked about before, Brazil's economy is very agricultural, you know, they would be exporting a lot of their agricultural products. Um, Europe's, Europe would be uh, exporting a lot of 
finished goods into Brazil. And so that partnership is very, very vital for them because as we're talking about, right, economies are starting to diversify their industries. And this is one way they could do it is having these partnerships and trade deals um, across the region. Also makes them more stable for stuff like black swan events like COVID. You know, when COVID happened, you couldn't get stuff from China. Well, what if I could get that same natural resource from Paraguay? Maybe they could make it there. Maybe they could make it in Uruguay, you know? So that is something that I think is a trend that's happening across these countries that we've been talking about, Mexico and and, um, Brazil alike. Um, And it's kind of showing us that there will be kind of a different pace to things when it comes to globalization now. There are still global deals happening, as we can see with uh, Mercosur and, and the EU. But now there's a lot more focus on regional partners. So whatever you have a trade deal for Brazil, you're going to have one for Paraguay. You're going to have one for Uruguay. And therefore, that gives it access to freely trade in between with less um, taxes, right? And those are the things that stimulate certain economies. And we're, we're going to see a lot of big tech companies come out of Brazil, dude, but also the block of Mercosur. We're going to see a lot of tech companies being supported across the regions because we have certain partnerships. That's the reason why people want to get in on Mexico as well, because as part of NAFTA, there's going to be a lot easier flow of trade in between the countries. You said big companies coming out of Brazil. Mercado Libre is 70 billion, dude. <laughs> Right. So that's a big company now. And now hopefully we start seeing more of these. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. hundred percent. And excited for where things are going today with um, what we're quoting as slobalization. Um, and it's been really interesting seeing these regional partnerships show up as, as bigger voting blocks in the world, you know, cause we're going to have so much more complex supply chains, dude. It's going to come out of nowhere, like processing raw materials I'm excited to see that grow bigger in Brazil because now that they have these partnerships with the EU, I have a feeling that they're going to start moving from, from raw materials to actually the, the processors of these raw materials. Therefore they can export a lot more things rather than just raw materials to the rest of the world. I mean, we learned so much, I think in this episode about Brazil, I didn't know 90% of the things we talked about today until we did the research. And it's super interesting. Like, I only thought of Brazil as that one country that I supported in the World Cup, right? Because they're always killing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the great celebrations, you know, the, the amazing football that comes out of Brazil. Now I can kind of appreciate it for something else, which is this growing economy and a, a real mix of different industries that are about to burgeon, right? Now, although things aren't perfect in Brazil, of course, everything else you'll read on the news and a lot of the issues that are coming out as as inequality as many growing nations have, um, things are definitely improving for a lot of people. And the growth of these industries and the growth of the region puts Latin America kind of in a spotlight, right? And hopefully this trend continues. I love what it's doing for tech. Um, and I love that leadership has gone into a more sustainable direction. In all of all of the things we look at in Latin America, we're seeing that there is an insane focus on sustainability now. So it's nice to see. It's nice to see all these great developments. Um, Brazil is definitely part of this globalization trend of which we named this series after. 
right? We'll see a lot of things coming out of Brazil in the next few years. And the way they've persevered through the challenging times of COVID and the things that are happening around the world, it serves also as a good economic use case for us to look at for how to deal with monetary policy. Thanks for hanging out with us. It was such a cool episode. And as always, stay curious. The information and opinions expressed in this episode are for informational purposes only and are not intended as financial, investment, or professional advice. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any decisions based on the content provided. Neither the podcast nor its creators are responsible for any actions taken as a result of listening to this episode.